It's where you go to bike, hike, and stroll miles of pathways over more than 7,000 acres of parkland. A place to go explore rivers and fish their bountiful waters. Natural places to go marvel at magnificent wildlife while you play outdoors and go wander charming communities. Find all this and more at Destination Downriver. Give it a go. Today's podcast is presented by MarketInsights.us with the podcast on YouTube produced by the City of Taylor's Media Center. Thank you for the generous support of our community sponsor. When your destination is beyond Downriver, let Martinson Family of Funeral Homes help you and your family. With locations in Trenton, Allen Park, Maybe, Rockwood, and Monroe, their staff is available 24-7 at 734-671-5400. For more information, visit martinson.com. Thank you to our team sponsor, Allegra marketing, print, and design. Let Allegra assist you with your print, mail, design, and signs. Locate in Wyandotte, Michigan, or call 734-284-5330. Welcome to the August Destination Downriver Vodcast. I'm your host, Carl Zymack. With us today are representatives of the Southeast Michigan Council of Governments, or SEMCOG, as it is commonly known. This is an organization worth understanding. SEMCOG supports planning efforts and beneficial programming in every downriver community through technical, data, and intergovernmental resources. SEMCOG's plans and programs help improve the quality of our environmental resources, make our transportation system safer and more efficient, revitalize communities, and encourage economic development. In all, SEMCOG is a regional partnership of governmental units that now serve 4.8 million people in the seven county region of Southeast Michigan. That's pretty heady stuff for the organization that most people often don't know much about. Before we get to our guest, let's roll a quick video titled Vision 2050 to help frame the impact of SEMCOG. Southeast Michigan is a wonderful place to live, work and play. We believe our region is at its best when we work together. Our region is a connected network of small towns, dynamic urban centers, active waterfronts, diverse neighborhoods, premier educational institutions, and abundant agricultural, recreational, and natural areas. With all of that, making sure Southeast Michigan is a place where nearly five million people, regardless of age, physical ability, or cognitive ability, or socioeconomic status can move safely and reliably becomes very important. That is why Southeast Michigan is constantly looking ahead to anticipate and address the challenges to getting around in our region to maintaining our infrastructure and the services nearly all of us rely on daily. Responding to those challenges and the needs of an ever-changing world is essential to planning for a successful future. Vision 2050, the Regional Transportation Plan for Southeast Michigan, is a major way we can respond to and shape how we would all like to see our region in the future. Vision 2050 is the blueprint for developing and managing Southeast Michigan's transportation system for the next 25 years. We will work collaboratively with our local partners and stakeholders to identify and prioritize needs within our transportation system. This plan is where we think about the best ways to keep people mobile and goods moving throughout the region. Whether someone is trying to head downtown for work, take a walk to enjoy our many natural resources, or get to the grocery store to pick up ingredients for a secret family recipe. 
safe, accessible, and reliable transportation options are essential to maintaining what we enjoy about life in Southeast Michigan. SimCog is hard at work developing the plan that will lead us to 2050, so join us over the next year. We encourage you to help us craft a regional vision to make sure future transportation is as great as can be in Southeast Michigan. To learn more about Vision 2050, the original transportation plan for Southeast Michigan, visit simcog.org backslash RTP. Vision 2050, the regional transportation plan for Southeast Michigan. All right, we're back with our panel. And joining us today are Planning Director Kevin Vetrano, Communications Manager Trevor Layton of the Southeast Michigan Council of Governments. Welcome, gentlemen. You had a good ride down? Certainly. Great to be here. Thanks easy, for having us. Easy ride from, uh, or, is it all, or is it all orange barrels? It was nice and smooth coming in the middle of the day. Doesn't hurt from downtown <laughs> Detroit out here to Taylor. That's for sure. Where do you guys live? By any chance, I'm in Gross Point Woods. Okay, all right. And I live in Northwest Detroit. Okay, all right. So you guys are you guys are relatively yeah. close to, to where you're at downtown. Not bad at all. Absolutely. And how are things going downtown these days? It's exciting. I mm -hmm. think we're seeing a really good resurgence after okay. we had a downtick for the COVID mm -hmm. pandemic, right. and mm -hmm. a lot of new businesses, a mm -hmm. lot of just active time. And this is the best time to be down there. Mm -hmm. This is summer months. Mm -hmm. And plus you have you have a lot of concerts going on. You have a lot of people going down for for restauranting and, and things like that. Entertainment. The Tigers are still playing. At least I think they're still playing. <laughs> yeah, the Tigers, the Tigers are still playing. I believe they're hosting the Cubs this week. So Which um, should be a lot of fun. Yep, that should be fun. The uh, SummerSlam was just downtown. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of national events that have been coming through. It's a big deal that they're building out a lot more uh, hotel space uh, so right. that conventions and events mm -hmm. that are hosted in downtown Detroit can bring more folks into the region. Gotcha. Well, let's talk about SEMCOG a little bit uh, because we've got a lot to go over here today. Uh, when, I, when I look at a website like SEMCOGS, okay, and your organization. Layers on layers on layers of government. And then when you get into your branch, which is essentially support for government, there's also layers on layers on layers there, okay, even down to something like the cha local chamber of commerce, while they're focusing on business, indirectly helping government, things like that. How in the world do you guys keep from tripping all over yourselves here when you're when you're servicing this amount of traffic? Is that is that hard? Who wants to take that? <laughs> I'll take that. I'll start off. It's a great question. Um, the way we view it is sometimes you need to lead and sometimes you follow. For us, we're really focused on local governments and looking at the long range. Um, sustainability and vibrancy of the region. Okay. So our core audience are local governments, but we're looking through the lens of transportation, mm -hmm. environment, and economic development mm -hmm. on a seven county scale. So mm -hmm. our region, when we talk about the Southeast Michigan region, we're talking about the seven counties from all the way northeast to St. Clair County, mm -hmm. and then all the way south to Monroe. And then we go east out to Ann Arbor and Washtenaw County and Livingston. So when you think about a region on that scale, Planning is really important because when you're thinking about our roads or our rivers or our lakes or our air, mm -hmm. those things don't stop at your jurisdictional boundaries. Gotcha. You need to be able to think more holistically and broader. Mm -hmm. So the way that we look at the work that we engage in is how are these issues, whether that's our transit networks mm -hmm. or our road networks, mm -hmm can get people from their destinations or from their homes to their core destinations. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a lens we like to think through. Mm -hmm. um, and we work really closely with the other organizations that you mentioned. So mm -hmm. one of the organizations that we've been long partners with 
is the Downriver Link Greenways. Mm -hmm. And the work that they do is pretty specific to this area, the mm -hmm. trails and the networks within mm -hmm. Downriver. Mm -hmm. We look at how do you connect from Downriver and get folks to Monroe, to get folks to Ann Arbor, or further north to St. Clair County. So taking that larger approach and partnering with our local regions and our communities. SEMCOG was established back in 68, over, over half century ago. Uh, what's been the biggest accomplishment thus far for SEMCOG, or for SEMCOG, excuse me? Yeah, it's hard to just point to, to one thing, mm -hmm. I think. Um, uh, you know, as Kevin was mentioning, we work with, you know, over 170 different member mm -hmm. communities, counties, townships throughout the region. Mm -hmm. And so our best indicator of our success is the membership of mm -hmm. our local government entities. So mm -hmm. SEMCOG is basically constantly these days hovering around record membership, okay. which means we're having a high level of engagement from our counties, community college, intermediate school districts, cities, mm -hmm. villages, and townships. Mm -hmm. And they're all interested in this long-term regional planning that Kevin mentioned. So mm -hmm. as, as many kind of urgent and emergent issues as local governments are dealing with, it's expensive to plan for the future, but one thing we've learned through experience, and SEMCOG knows this since 1968, it's more expensive when you don't plan for the future. That's for sure, that's for sure. Uh, let's talk about some of the tick list that we were talking uh, off camera shortly ago. Uh, let me start with the Trail Explorer tool and the work, the, the promotion that's being yeah. done around the greenways. How are you attacking that right now? Yeah, and that's actually a great example of a tool that may not have been something we would have done 10, 15, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. We know that in order to make sure that our region is a vibrant place that people want to live, where businesses want to locate, is to have these amenities. And our trails, our natural areas is a key part of that. So Trail Explorer, the whole idea behind it is we don't often know what's in our backyards. Mm -hmm. Whether you're thinking about Downriver or further up in Oakland County or Macomb County, we take for granted that we've got a great network of trails, we've got a great network of parks and our waterways. We're blessed with having the Great Lakes. We sit on the Great Lakes and we also sit on some great rivers, whether that's the Rouge River, the mm -hmm. Huron River, the mm -hmm. Clinton River. These are great assets that not every place in the state um, has. Mm -hmm. So the idea behind Trail Explorer is how do we showcase them? How do we let our residents know about them, but also promote them throughout the state. And when we think regionally, we think about our Southeast Michigan area, but we're competing with our neighbors to the South in Ohio mm -hmm. and what makes this a destination. Mm -hmm. And the brand, you know, we're here today to talk about Destination Downriver, but we wanna brand the entire Southeast Michigan as a place to bring your family. And if you're looking for a trail for a bike ride, here are some um, opportunities and you can see it. So it's one thing about putting a map. We do great maps, we do great data, but it's not as personal as actually being able to see what the river looks like and feel like and what that trail looks like. Mm -hmm. And our Trail Explorer um, tool, which we're very proud of, also works really closely with our Park Finder app and tool, which again, it, the back end of it is how do we get, how do we tell our story and mm -hmm. let the secret out? It doesn't need to be a secret mm -hmm. that we've got great parks, great amenities, great places to, to raise a family and to recreate. Have you guys seen a demand spike since the pandemic? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So as, as pretty much as soon as the stay at home order began, mm -hmm. um, 
local governments were reporting uh, a spiked interest mm -hmm. in use of amenities at, at parks and facilities. And as some of us you know, will recall, it was a really confusing time because we weren't exactly sure how the virus would spread. So sometimes mm -hmm. playgrounds and parks were actually being shut down. It was a big relief when we learned enough to know that mm -hmm. we could actually take refuge in these spaces. And that mm -hmm. has absolutely continued since the pandemic, I think. You know, most of our local governments, as we've held um, engagement activities to talk mm -hmm. about how to meet this increased demand, continue to report not only a higher interest in um, the use of, of the amenities, but a higher interest in, in forging those connections, making sure that more neighborhoods and communities can have access to these essential services. And, and part of that is TAP, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay, could you explain TAP? Yeah, certainly. Oh, TAP stands mm -hmm. for the Transportation Alternatives Program. Mm -hmm. And I want to also follow it with what, um, this is going to link to mm -hmm. TAP, with what Trevor said about it's great to have parks and destinations and trails, but we found with the pandemic was your neighborhood sidewalk, when you have the stay-at-home order, that became the recreation, that became the opportunity for people to get mm -hmm. outside. And in areas that didn't have access to good sidewalks or walking facilities, mm -hmm. that was a disconnect. And mm -hmm. there's areas in our region that don't have good facilities for you know, a mother pushing her child in a stroller or taking the dog for a walk. Mm -hmm. So the Transportation Alternatives Program is a set-aside amount of funds that some call gets annually, so $10 million. So not a small sum that's dedicated solely for those types of facilities to enhance our walking and biking networks. Mm -hmm. And we've been successful in downriver and throughout the region in ensuring that we're not, not only prioritizing, you know, we have to fix our roads, we have to fix our freeways, that's all important, but we also have to make sure that we're dedicating funds for those that either choose not to drive or walk, or, but, but would rather walk or bike. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really important. It, we know that it creates better neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. We know that it creates better connectivity. So the idea behind TAP is identifying the places in the region that could benefit from mm -hmm. either enhanced bicycle facilities or trails and walkways or streetscapes. Mm -hmm. um, so a few examples in the downriver area, just to kind of put some mm -hmm. context to it. So in River Rouge and Ecourse, the bicycle facilities along Jefferson was you know, a long time coming through planning efforts and then the Transportation Alternatives Program or TAP were used to fund and pay for that, those, those amenities. Mm -hmm. um, same thing in, in right outside here in Taylor, mm -hmm. the um, Fletcher Discovery Trail. Right. So mm -hmm. they, the connectivity between the neighborhoods mm -hmm. to our parks and getting folks to Heritage Park, which is sure. a regional destination, mm -hmm. but how do we better connect our neighborhoods? Mm -hmm. um, and we also know that you know, in often cases, our freeways have disconnected neighborhoods from core services or mm -hmm. destinations. So in Woodhaven, this pedestrian bridge over 75, okay. which was a long time coming. When our freeways are, were, have been constructed, sometimes they disconnect neighborhoods from destinations. Mm -hmm. So we identify those key locations where a sidewalk or adding an addition to an overpass mm -hmm. to allow people to walk or bike. So that's another good example of a dedicated funding source that can go right into a community and make a difference. Kevin, how much are those type of walks? They're very expensive. Great, they? great question. Mm -hmm. Yes, they can range. We, we, our sweet spot we found with TAP okay. is around 1.2 million. Okay. So we've done smaller projects, mm -hmm. which might be more wayfinding or mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. on the end of like the lighter, cheaper, quicker um, types of projects, putting on a shared lane marking for our bike lanes mm -hmm. or just filling gaps in our sidewalk network. When you start gotcha. getting to trails and start getting to those larger overpasses, mm -hmm. you start getting into those 
multi-million dollar projects. When it, when it comes to TAP grants and connectivity with, uh, especially with sidewalks and, and paths and things, basically you're following goat trails, aren't you? <laughs> A lot of times, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because they, they wear paths, people wear paths in the grass and wherever, and you look and you go, well, that's where we need a sidewalk. We had one on Telegraph near, uh, near the Walmart down yep. here where TAP came in. Exactly. Okay. And it was interesting because you could, you could actually stand up there on the bridge and go, okay, I can see where the path is clearly because yeah. it's worn out. And you guys call those desire paths sometimes, yes. right? Yes, desire paths. Desire yeah. paths yeah. or goat paths, exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. And mm -hmm. again, people are going to find the best connection from where they want to go. And this is really important when we're thinking about planning mm -hmm. is we can put in all the infrastructure we, we want, mm -hmm. but people are going to choose the best path to right. get to their destination. Right. So oftentimes if there's not a sidewalk there, mm -hmm. they're going to make a sidewalk. Yeah. And we need to make sure that we're putting infrastructure in to meet that demand. And the same thing right. we're talking about crossing major roads is we know people are going to want to cross and they should be crossing. Mm -hmm. And the more we can make those intersections as safe as possible mm -hmm. and have the countdown signals sure. and have the lane markings mm -hmm. to let vehicles know that someone is crossing here. Mm -hmm. um, it's really important. Safety is one of our key determinants for TAP grants. Let me walk down some of the planning assistant uh, specifics that you, that you pointed out. The Lower Rouge River Water Trail Safety Plan. It's a multi-community plan. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, mm -hmm. so we know our waterways are vital for mm -hmm. the um, desirability of our communities and mm -hmm. we've, we're blessed with very great waterways. Mm -hmm. So the idea being, if you're gonna take a kayak or experience the Rouge mm -hmm. River, mm -hmm. there's certain things that we need, like, for when you think about our roadways or signage, there's mm -hmm. different opportunities of this is a good place to put in, this mm -hmm. is different uh, markings of follow this path. So the idea being, what are those safe um, guidebooks is what came out of that okay. for someone that is taking their family out on the Rouge River, things mm -hmm. that they should be thinking about, but mm -hmm. also enhancing the amenities, mm -hmm. putting in launch points, as well as are there areas where there might be log jams, mm -hmm. getting those out, identifying them through the planning process. Mm -hmm. So really good opportunity for multiple communities to get together to really identify, we want people to use this and what are the mm -hmm. barriers or why people aren't using that river more to kayak or take out um, Makes sense. boats. Yep. What valley? about, yep. go ahead, Trevor. I was just gonna say, I mean, Kevin being a planner by trade may not uh, appreciate the the value of, of having that that planning assistance as, as much for people who don't have the expertise. But mm -hmm. as I mentioned before, the um, ability and opportunity to actually do an intensive study and figure out what the right solution is to a particular challenge or mm -hmm. opportunity, it's not necessarily fast and it's not necessarily mm -hmm. simple. And so communities that are trying to, to solve you know, everyday issues, mm -hmm. they may not have the capacity to undertake you know, the necessary study, as Kevin was saying, to where's, where's the perfect place for a kayak launch? How are we right. gonna maximize access, right. not only for this neighborhood, but for the neighborhoods surrounding it mm -hmm. and, the, and for people who visit, and how do we keep everybody happy? So what a planning assistance grant does mm -hmm. is it helps to broaden that process a little bit and help us take the necessary steps to make the right decisions in concert with, yes, the community where the project is taking place, but mm -hmm. as Kevin mentioned, the sweet spot is really when these are multi-community grants, right. where actually that, can be, that planning can be done together. Excellent, excellent answer. Uh, what about the Fort Street Equity Study? I know our people, our folks in Lincoln Park will appreciate your answer here. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. The, the, as Trevor just mentioned, the idea is 
take an I take a corridor that's mm -hmm. Fort Street mm -hmm. and I identify the key locations of where there's challenge points. So the mm -hmm. idea behind that is identifying where sidewalk may be missing, mm -hmm. where there's cross sections of where people we know people are wanting to cross the street and it might be unsafe. So sure. taking a holistic look at where there's been crashes, either mm -hmm. vehicle to vehicle, or in some cases, vehicle and pedestrian, and making sure that we curb those and mm -hmm. stop them from happening. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what that um, equity study is, is taking a look at where, where certain um, populations live, so mm -hmm. those that may be lower income, or just those that um, we know need to access certain destinations, be it grocery stores, libraries, or parks, mm -hmm. and ensure that they've got the facilities so they can choose to walk or bike safely. Mm -hmm. um, majority of our infrastructure um, across the entire region is safe, relatively safe, or connected through roadways and mm -hmm. access for our automobiles. What we really want to do with these equity studies is making sure that all residents can access those equitably. Mm -hmm. uh, walking and biking, the safety audit that, that you've done in eCourse. Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, similar approach. Mm -hmm. This is really looking at a big full, instead of looking at a corridor, mm -hmm. looking throughout the entire community of eCourse mm -hmm. and identifying short-term and long-term projects. Mm -hmm. So and the, the, why we like the planning assistance program so much is it allows you and aligns you for TAP projects. Mm -hmm. So looking at the kind of that punch list mm -hmm. of these are the core areas that we know we need better infrastructure. We mm -hmm. need, we want to connect into a regional trail mm -hmm. or we know that there's sidewalk missing or the sidewalk might be in poor condition. Mm -hmm. So getting that punch list of this is what we're going to do in the next couple years, two to three years or what's longer term mm -hmm. and then align it with funding. Mm -hmm. So the transportation alternatives program is that next step of some of these planning grants. They do really good planning up front. Mm -hmm. These are our core destinations. These are what our residents want. And I should mention is part of the planning assistance program is ensuring community engagement, mm -hmm. whether that's surveying or public involvement. So we don't want, the last thing we want is to put in a new piece of infrastructure, be it a trail, a sidewalk, or you know, um, a median to you know slow down traffic and never engage the residents. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that I input that's really needed at the front end mm -hmm. gets the buy-in, and then you can look at how do you change the infrastructure long term. Gotcha. Stormwater management. Now there's a popular thing these days because it seems like every three months we're having a 500-year storm, uh, which is very different. But you're centering again on e-course here in this one. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, so for that one is a storm, again, community-wide mm -hmm. stormwater management plan. Mm -hmm. Where are the best places? So some, in some cases, you're gonna need hard infrastructure. And we mm -hmm. say hard infrastructure, that's you know our water and sewer lines. But in some cases, they're softer with green infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Where are there locations to do, we call them bioswales, or mm -hmm. different ways of collecting and storing rainwater when we have these um, heavy storms or just your average rainstorm? A lot of our roads, you know, do unfortunately yeah. flood. Yeah. So the analysis is where are those, um, the flood risk of a community. So mm -hmm. certain roads flood more than others. And on our website, we do have a flood risk tool that looks regionally. And what um, eCourse did is looked within their community, mm -hmm. where are roads that are more prone to flooding mm -hmm. and what are the options to identify funding sources or infrastructure needs. And in some cases, it's, it might just be planting more trees or adding more greenway mm -hmm. to our corridors 
or whether if there's one that's flooding quite often, mm -hmm. there might be additional resources available. Understood. Downtown Wyandotte is one of the most popular places downriver, and it's extremely vibrant. It's it's beautiful. Uh, you guys are. Uh, helping them out with a downtown capital improvement plan. Uh, tell us a little yeah. bit about that. That one's mm -hmm. unique and really exciting because they're looking at their utilizing and activating their alleyways. Oh, okay. So they've mm -hmm. got, like many of our older downtowns, mm -hmm. they've got underutilized alleys or maybe by definition, that's where the garbage goes okay. or that's where we don't want people to walk. But we're finding, and actually downtown Detroit's done a really good job. If you haven't seen mm -hmm. some of their activated alleys in downtown Detroit, mm -hmm. they've kind of set the bar really high of what you can do with our alleyways. And Wyandotte mm -hmm. and a few of our other communities are taking advantage of how do we use these linear pathways to not be just, that's behind the buildings, mm -hmm. to get connectivity between places. It doesn't mm -hmm. always need to be along our corridors. Mm -hmm. So the idea behind that, that um, study in Wyandotte is to look holistically at the downtown and not just say that's where we're going to put a drive area or mm -hmm. you know we're going to put our garbage there. Mm -hmm. How do we redesign it where that can be a bike path or that can be okay. a walking path? And they're in the process right now of looking at tap funds, which also could fund those kind of connectivities and those kind of connections. That's that's that is interesting to take alleyways and and think in that because I know I grew up in in Dearborn yep. and uh, small home, okay, and when we went in there originally there was an alleyway through and most places you just decided with your neighbors and closed it off and you took one side they took the other but now with all the connectivity issues I mean whether it's a bike path whether it's a walking path whatever it is does open the door yeah. for a lot of well, things. Especially in, in older communities that mm -hmm. are built out, um, mm -hmm. you know, a long time ago, such as Dearborn or, or mm -hmm. Wyandotte. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are pretty fixed grids that are in right. place now. This, right. this infrastructure is in mm -hmm. place. These old buildings that we love and, and don't want to lose are in place. Mm -hmm. And the transportation corridors are in place. Right. So if we're trying to maximize our unique spaces and places where we know people in our region want to come together, and mm -hmm. Wyandotte's a great example, mm -hmm. and we need to find more spaces because those places become so popular, we we have to get creative and sort of think, mm -hmm. okay, downtown Wyandotte, we can't have everyone have sidewalk seating because we need right. to move cars down right. the street. But right. what about these alley yep. spaces that maybe are not being used as much for their original intended purpose? Maybe those mm -hmm. can be reopened. Right. You know, I was going to, you mentioned the, the, the sidewalk seating for restaurants and things like that. I know in Plymouth, they've had a little bit of a controversy there mm -hmm. about, you know, possibly increasing the cost per foot of that outdoor dining type of thing. I know I'm throwing this at you yeah. cold turkey. Have you guys have you guys heard about that, read about that, and have you got into that at all? I have not. I'm oh, not okay. familiar. Right. I haven't either, mm -hmm. but I can go even farther away from, from downriver if you want. I actually saw a headline uh -huh. this morning that they're having controversy in Paris, France, because in the pandemic they opened up more sidewalk cafe mm, seating to give right. people more opportunities to be outdoors. So gotcha. I don't think it's unique to our region even that people right. are negotiating public space in a new way with right. what we learned from the pandemic mm -hmm. and saying, okay, yeah, we want to have more places, more places right. to congregate to attract visitors. But right. what does that mean for the neighbors? You know, sure. how much noise are we willing to tolerate? How many sure. crowds? What hours of day? These are all things, as Kevin mentioned, that through a robust public engagement process, you're able to kind of see those things coming and, and address right. them and make it make it work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to at-grade crossing strategies. Mm. You've got that marked down for 
Huron Township and Romulus. So tell us yeah. about that. Yes, in this area, and I, I'm sure everyone can attest to, um, nothing worse than getting stuck behind a train. And it <laughs> happens more and more. And they were here first. And getting stuck mm -hmm. under a train might be worse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, I, I would agree with that. The delays that are caused, the economic impact of being, um, you know, stuck behind some of these really long trains that go mm -hmm. through this area. Mm -hmm. So that study really was to work with both the railways mm -hmm. as well as figure out better ways of crossing and making those mm -hmm. connections. Mm -hmm. So in that case, it is, do we have opportunities to move um, the, the roadway, the connectivity sure. to um, a different location, or is it, do you need to go under or over, mm -hmm. uh, which is an option. They're very expensive, which is why right. they're still here today. Yeah. These many mm -hmm. um, intersections, and everyone knows, everyone can you know, um, attest to mm -hmm. their thorn in their side. Right. I avoid that area, that road, because there's a chance I might get stuck behind a train. Sure. So that area in Romulus and here in Township was looking holistically at their entire road network of trying to figure out how do we best manage mm -hmm. and where do we need to put in different infrastructure that could be, you know, going over the railway mm -hmm. because the at grade is one great way of doing it, but there there are other options. Well, and speaking of other options, non-motorized plan for Romulus. <laughs> yes, exactly. Another uh, great example, mm -hmm. similar to when we talked about um, an e-course, looking holistically at your network. What we like to see is when a community comes to SEMCOG with an idea for a trail or to enhance their walkability, mm -hmm. what we want them to have is a thought out plan. Mm -hmm. So through the planning assistance program, we can allow them to hold public meetings, to engage their residents, and uh, you know whether it's bring on a consultant or their mm -hmm. own staff to really look at where they are today and where do they want to go in the next you know, 5, 10, 15 years, mm -hmm. and to identify the funding opportunities. These, these things cost money. Mm -hmm. So in that case, it's really looking at how do we better connect to the regional trail network, mm -hmm. as well as ensure that our residents can walk or bike to the destinations they want to go to. Makes sense. Uh, the Green Infrastructure Coastal Assessments and Concepts Plan for a group of cities along the, the Detroit River, River Rouge, Wyandotte, Riverview, Grozeal. Tell us about yep. that. Similar to when we talk about a green infrastructure component of our stormwater, our coastal areas mm -hmm. are impacted by mm -hmm. either high water levels right. mm -hmm. or just in general, how do we make them more accessible? Mm -hmm. Like this area is you know, very fortunate to have so much coastline. How much of it is it, how much of it is publicly accessible? Okay. There's reasons why they're not. Mm -hmm. They could be, you know, old industrial heritage sites, sure. or just in general, it's not a place that you necessarily historically wanted to have access to. So by okay. identifying different locations, and a good example is in River Rouge, Bellinger Park mm -hmm. is right on the water. How do we better engage access to the water in that, mm -hmm. in that area, but also treat the stormwater. Mm -hmm. So looking at different treatments for all of our coastlines of softening the shoreline, mm -hmm. which basically means a hard shoreline is when you have that cement wall there sure. between you got the water here and people stay here. Mm -hmm. But you can make different treatments to okay. soften it by putting in different types of infrastructure, be it like boulders where people mm -hmm. can actually move mm -hmm. and get towards the water, mm -hmm. which you'd like to see more of that where it makes sense. When, when you guys are talking in those terms, how much do, do the hot spots in the river play into that? Because I know downriver, especially with its heavy industrial past, you have noted hot spots in the yes. river that usually 
you got to take some TLC with those. Yep, and in those mm -hmm. locations that may not be accessed directly to the water, but mm -hmm. how do we make the park itself gotcha. function right. better? Right, right, and, exactly. And mm -hmm. part of having access to like all the beautiful freshwater mm -hmm. um, resources and coastline that we have in Southeast Michigan and downriver, what happens when you have climate challenges and like the flood risk that Kevin was talking about earlier, mm -hmm. those coastal areas can be particularly vulnerable, whether mm -hmm. it's housing that's been mm -hmm. built along a shoreline. If mm -hmm. you um, have degradation mm -hmm. in, in the soil, um, you can you can talk about real challenges with, with people and their properties and their homes. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also the same is true for roads. There are some really beautiful scenic roads that travel either along mm -hmm. the St. Clair River up mm -hmm. in the north of our region or the Detroit River as, mm -hmm. as we travel along south. And if the those coastlines aren't resilient and mm -hmm. they haven't been prepared with the types of green infrastructure to respond to the types of climate challenges that we're having, we could be experiencing huge, huge challenges that we don't typically see in our region, fortunately. Right. Uh, now, off the last uh, the discussion point, the green infrastructure point, you also were able to get some grants for River Rouge, for, for Bellinger Park, for Trenton, for Rotary Park. Can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, that's those? exactly mm -hmm. how we want these mm -hmm. planning assessments to work, mm -hmm. is you do the assessment through mm -hmm. the coastal resiliency mm -hmm. and then identify funding sources. Gotcha. So in this case, it's working with um, Eagle and EPA, mm -hmm. which will, in each one of those that you mentioned for River Rouge and um, E-Course, mm -hmm. were $95,000 to actually begin to implement to mm -hmm. putting in bioswales, right. like in the parking mm -hmm. lots, to make sure that when you have road runoff or stormwater from, it could be an average storm mm -hmm. or these heavier rainfalls that we're able to capture the, r the rainfall before it floods our roads. Mm -hmm. Can you guys define bioswale? <laughs> yes. No, that's, one of those, that's one of those new uh, newfangled terms. It is, and mm -hmm. I'll, yeah, thank you for catching me on <laughs> using these terms. But really what it is, is using natural landscape mm -hmm. to capture the water before mm -hmm. it goes into our storm water right. sy system. So right. before it goes into our drains, mm -hmm. you're able to capture it and hold it. Mm -hmm. So if you're walking, you might, you might see them. They, they'll be primarily with natural um, plantings. Mm -hmm. And when a, when a storm comes, it's able to hold the water mm -hmm. before it just goes right into our rivers and lakes. It also does a pretty good job of filtering exactly. it if it's done correctly, yeah, exactly. through the rocks. And, and they'll often have beautiful native plantings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes mm -hmm. I kind of think of, uh, a bioswale is like what we would have called a ditch, but with like a real glow up. Like right. It's much nicer. <laughs> right, right, exactly. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, let me put you on the spot. When you when you look at SEMCOG and its history at versus downriver, okay, focusing on downriver, what do you think its biggest accomplishment has been or maybe accomplishments? Is there is there one or two that stand out in the history? Or am I, or am I throwing oh. you a curveball? I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll happily jump uh -huh. in. So uh, I don't have um, a lot of uh, experience downriver in terms of living here, but I have mm. some family from downriver, and so my experience of downriver, uh, much like much of our region, mm. is a very car-centric mm -hmm. kind of, um, and this just maybe speaks to my family as much as anything else, <laughs> but like, you know, a very kind of traditional, what you think of Detroit blue collar mindset. Yes. It's like I, mm -hmm. I drive from point A to B, and then maybe I go up to my cottage on the mm -hmm. weekends, and I'm, I'm mm -hmm. gonna drive and have all those things. So what I'm seeing and experiencing now, both through my family and through our work at SEMCOG, is downriver has been 
steadily transforming into this walkable, bikeable, mm -hmm. trail-ridden haven for people mm -hmm. that like to be involved in being active and being outside. You know, it's not just about, um, you know, the muscle cars uh, mm -hmm. for my relatives anymore. They're talking <laughs> about kayaking. They're putting right. their kayaks on the van. They're putting their bikes mm -hmm. on the back of the car. They're, mm -hmm. they're using these trails. They're utilizing these special places. They're not just going up north when they want to get outside and enjoy mm -hmm. green spaces. I think um, downriver, um, whether it's the um, wildlife refuge along the Detroit River mm -hmm. um, that was named after Congressman Dingle. It's a, right. a beautiful mm -hmm. space that was formerly like a very industrial place. Mm -hmm. I went on a visit there myself. I, I was I felt like I was completely transported to mm -hmm. nature and it was wonderful. Mm -hmm. So I think um, reawakening some of these natural spaces and and the beautiful thing is that when we talk about bioswales or, or green infrastructure, a lot of those things are really bringing our region's natural landscape back to what it originally might have been in some mm -hmm. places. So mm -hmm. these wet prairies, these natural marshes, these are all the things that kind of gave our state and our region its natural shape and, and, and made it what it was as a mm -hmm. sustainable place for a long time. So a lot of the changes that are happening, while they're being kind of massaged to fit the human inhabitants that we are and have now, mm -hmm. they're really bringing us back to that more natural place. And I think mm -hmm. Downriver is a great example of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, your organization has also worked hard to spotlight local businesses and downtowns in Southeast Michigan. And among those efforts are several videos that were produced in the past year for Wyandotte Trenton, most recently River Rouge. We're gonna take a look at one of those samples right now. This holiday season, come check out Trenton. We have everything you need, from local shops to great cuisine. If you wanna have a fun night out with the family, we have that too. With plenty of stores to grab a great gift, you can do all of your holiday shopping right here. So support your neighbors and come see some friendly faces while you shop local in Trenton. These videos uh, Semcog produces are terrific, excellent presentations about nature and the vibrancies of our small towns and cities. Are there more in the works? Uh, I think that's what uh, a lot of people want to know. Uh, should we look for more on the horizon? Uh, when it comes to these kind of videos? Absolutely, mm -hmm. so I believe the, uh, the video about Trenton that we just watched is a, mm -hmm. a little bit older one, so that was mm -hmm. called Shop Local Trenton, oh. uh, which is a really fun concept. We have since expanded this program and it's now called Experience Southeast Michigan. So we're still talking mm -hmm. about these local opportunities to support businesses, mm -hmm. restaurants, uh, you may go out for some local theater, that's a really fun thing to do, mm -hmm. but we're expanding that. We're talking about okay. the full Southeast Michigan experience. Mm -hmm. So that may be parks, that may be trails, okay. it may be your shopping and dining experiences, mm -hmm. it may be your cultural mm -hmm. um, opportunities, you may go to a museum, an mm -hmm. art installation. A lot of mm -hmm. communities are actually putting uh, working with institutions like the uh, Detroit Institute of Arts to, sure. to bring art out into the communities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what Experience Southeast Michigan is really doing is it's reminding people that mm -hmm. this is a place. You live in a real place with mm -hmm. a lot to see and a lot to do and we're sure that you haven't experienced all of it. So we want to remind you of those things. And hey, if you know somebody who hasn't been here before mm -hmm. and, and you think they might like to hear about it too, pass it along. Trevor, do they usually go city by city or can these be alt, al, al, also multi-community type efforts Absolutely. around a certain theme. 
Absolutely, we're actually mm -hmm. expanding um, mm -hmm. right now to to take, do that type to of take thing. Yeah. to take the information and mm -hmm. and the the wonderful experiences that we're collecting mm -hmm. on the community level, mm -hmm. and then telling these broader regional stories. Okay. you know, right. so it, it may be like I said, how is our region connected by trails? Right. How are we gotcha. connected by the mm -hmm. arts? Makes you know? sense. Makes sense. Uh, environmental gains and improvements made throughout the downriver play a huge role in, in SEMCOG's mission. You cover everything from wa water quality to infrastructure, air, land, climate. Uh, are you seeing a real push for this due to the, cl uh, the climate changes across the region, the county, the state, maybe the yes. world? Yes, mm -hmm. so the short answer is yes. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. It's often been, and for ever since SEMCOG was you know, created in 1968, mm -hmm. we've been passionate about ensuring that our environment and our climate are strong. Mm -hmm. um, we are currently about to launch a healthy climate plan. Mm -hmm. And this was funding that we received through the EPA mm -hmm. to do a region-wide climate action plan, which is exciting. We've done piecemeal and done other work throughout our um, organization's um, life, but mm -hmm. now it's an opportunity to focus specifically on what do we need to do to prepare for the future okay. um, across our infrastructure? So it's looking at how do we better utilize our roads as well as our underground water infrastructure to deal with different changes. And one opportunity is with the way that we travel around the region. Mm -hmm. We've done quite a bit of work and just last week we did a um, EV expo out mm -hmm. in Canton Township, mm -hmm. looking at and making sure that our local communities as well as our residents understand the benefits of mm -hmm. moving towards electric. Again, it's we're very mm -hmm. early in the process, mm -hmm. but there are opportunities going, whether it's transitioning a fleet for a, a community or a township, sure. or how do we better support the infrastructure as a whole? Mm -hmm. So the idea that our climate is getting impacted, we need to be resilient, we need to support sustainable development, whether that's you know looking at our infrastructure or looking at um, our air quality and water quality. Is it difficult to balance the environmental against the business concerns? It can be, it can be. Mm -hmm. The way we look at it is the benefit of the region's longevity. If we can, if we can improve our environment, that's gonna be generational. Right. Sometimes you may need to look and say, in the short term, it mm -hmm. might be a higher cost. In the mm -hmm. long term, the benefits are going to be there. Mm -hmm. And for our region, we're transitioning. We are a historical, um, you know, more auto-centric, if mm -hmm. you will. Mm -hmm. But there's opportunities for us to be technology-centered as well. Mm -hmm. So we've long been a mobility hub, a transportation hub. And we want to continue that legacy. Mm -hmm. But also, how do we diversify and expand our economic reach. I think that's right and I think it's become even just in in the last several years maybe a little bit less of an either or proposition okay. than it than mm -hmm. it used to be. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the one of the words I would point to is ecotourism. That's something mm -hmm. that didn't exist mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. There is an awareness now uh, mm -hmm. of the impacts of, of um, how we treat the environment and, mm -hmm. and what happens to the environment. And, mm -hmm. and as I was mentioning before about Downriver being this wonderful place to get out and experience nature, there comes along with that appreciation for those opportunities, a growth in understanding of what goes into keeping a place sustainable right. and wonderful to visit mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. live. Sure. And so communities throughout the region, as evidenced by the EV Expo Kevin mentioned that we had last week, mm -hmm. There's a, just a growing interest to find opportunities to both benefit the environment 
and figure out a way to make continue to make communities more attractive for investment mm -hmm. by businesses as well as be places that people want to live. Mm -hmm. uh, Downriver is so uh, is, is so heavily based on on the waterways and 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 that type of thing. Can you give us any insight? Is there anything cooking out there that we uh, that maybe you could give us uh, give us the first look at or or, or something like that downriver? Uh, what's going on behind the scenes? I think is what is my basic premise. I'm trying to think. Mm -hmm. I have to take a moment to think about that. I think the biggest part, mm -hmm. and we've talked a little about Trail Explorer and Park Finder, mm -hmm. is broadening our connectivity throughout the region. Mm -hmm. So we've got a really good backbone of trails and connectivity, both within our walking and biking trails, right. our more traditional trails or mm -hmm. greenways, as well as our waterways. Mm -hmm. The more we can, you know, ensure that our water, water quality is high, we mm -hmm. want to be able to have folks engage within mm -hmm. our water. Mm -hmm. we're, we're very fortunate to be on the Great Lakes. We're very fortunate to have these great waterways. Mm -hmm. How do we better utilize them for recreation? And, and Down River is a great example. Mm -hmm. There's challenges with the mm -hmm. quality of the water, but the more that we can clean up, the more that we can experience and get people to actually view them as assets mm -hmm. and not just something that we've used for industry and we're making we're seeing those changes and i think that's something we're going to continue to see in the coming years go ahead trevor um it's certainly not uh behind the scenes it's certainly not a secret but mm -hmm. one of the things that i think may not be getting the attention that that to me it deserves because mm -hmm. I'm personally just really interested mm -hmm. in it is they're building the Gordie Howe Bridge right now. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's yeah. happening right in front of uh, mm -hmm. right right mm -hmm. on, on Down River's doorstep. And so what that when it's complete is going to create is something really unique within our region and within our state. And that's mm -hmm. that we're going to have an international border crossing that's not only this impressive span that's very beautiful that crosses mm -hmm. the Detroit River, but it's also going to have access to people for right. walking and right. biking, which right. is something that we have not had to this point. I am excited about the first day that I get to ride my bike <laughs> to Canada. You know, it was funny because we had John Hardig on here uh, a couple months ago, and he couldn't emphasize that <laughs> enough. He was looking so forward to the Gordie Howe Bridge and everything else that was going along in his realm. And he, he just, it, you could see that it, the ticket was gonna get punched by the bridge. It was gonna bring everything together. And you're right, that is the game changer, probably the most obvious thing going on <laughs> right in front of us. You know, when it really comes down to Semcog and, and, and the efforts of you two uh, and many others, it really seems like staying ahead of the game is the key. It's not about you know, here's a here's something that we're going to catch you with or something. Yeah. It's it's basically hard work and prep to be a couple steps in front in at least in your thinking. Isn't that what it comes down to? Certainly, a yeah. lot of our work is looking long term. Right. Yeah, we're mm -hmm. currently doing our Vision 2050, which is mm -hmm. our long range transportation plan, which right. literally is looking at what is our region going to be like. What's our population? What's our mm -hmm. roads? What's our needs to in order to have mm -hmm. a long-term sustainable infrastructure network of roads, bridges, mm -hmm. sidewalks, bike lanes, mm -hmm. the whole gambit. Sure. And what's important about setting a vision for 2050 is how do we measure progress? Mm -hmm. And a good example, and I met, mentioned it earlier about our challenges with um, safety on our mm -hmm. roadways. Mm -hmm. um, one of the unfortunate aspects mm -hmm. coming out of the pandemic was we actually lost more lives on our roads during the pandemic than pre, which isn't that intuitive. You think fewer cars on the road um, would lead to fewer um, 
crashes right. and fatalities or serious injuries. The change was more speed or mm -hmm. less folks on the road, which mm -hmm. could have more consequence. Right. So we just recently um, adopted a transportation safety plan, mm -hmm. which instead of just saying in 2050, these are the things we want, mm -hmm. it's setting targets. And we're aspirationally looking at zero fatalities and zero serious injuries. That's mm -hmm. very aspirational. 2050 mm -hmm. is not that far away. Mm -hmm. We're currently you know, losing at least one person a day right now in the region mm -hmm. due to a traffic crash. But there are things that we can do and we need to measure them. It's one mm -hmm. thing about setting a goal. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be the hard work between now and 2050. How do we change the landscape of our roadway? Mm -hmm. How do we make sure we educate drivers, pedestrians, as well as bicyclists? How do we make sure that there's enforcement, but also that it's equitable, that all people understand their role in how we communicate or how we um, traverse the region. Mm -hmm. So we're really excited about that. And we've been doing more of these, instead of just saying in 2050, we want this, mm -hmm. how do we make the steps to get there? Mm -hmm. And that takes planning and thought. Well, let's leave it on that. Uh, thank you, Trevor, Kevin, for joining us today to discuss the role of SEMCOG and uh, how it plays out in our 18 downriver communities and how it's gonna reshape the future. We know we're planning on you guys being three steps ahead of us. <laughs> thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks All for having right. us. Thank you again to our sponsors, Martinson Family of Funeral Homes and Allegra Marketing with a special thanks to our production partners here at the new Taylor Media Center. Thanks for listening and watching. Please visit our website, destinationdownriver.com, or our Facebook page, and be sure to join us for next month's podcast.